Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Text Mob. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad. Why, hello there. <laughs> hello, Caitlin. What's up? You know, just membership chillin'. Chillin', and of course, myself, Alex. Uh, today we're talking all things developed. If you don't know what developed is, shame on you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> developed is our latest series of events that is aimed at developers across the U.S. We're going to talk through the content, the cities, and the fun times to be had. And we'll be joined later on by Robert Blackburn of member company Blackburn Labs to talk about developed from a developer's perspective and get some great takeaways from the stop one of our tour in Rhode Island. But first, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. September 19th, 1982, 37 years ago this month, one of the first, if not the first, emoticon was born. In a posting made to a Carnegie Mellon bulletin board, Professor Scott Fallman proposed the first known use of emoticons. Wasn't that guy in the Fallman Brothers band? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> While the use of emoticons became widespread during the 80s and 90s, their origin remained unknown until September 10th, 2002, when the original message was, message was retrieved from backup tape, which is displayed below. Warning, there are typos. <clears throat> His message read, I propose that the following character sequence for joke markers, colon, dash, and parenthesis, aka a smiley face, read it sideways, actually. It is probably more economical to mark things that are not jokes given current trends. For this, use colon, dash, parenthesis, aka sad face. <laughs> and that's all for tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Caitlin and Brad, what are some of the top tech headlines? So Congress is back from recess, or if you listened to our last episode, state slash district work period. But they're scheduled to take off again for another two weeks at the end of this week. The only trick is there is a short-term spending bill that must be passed in order to avoid another government shutdown. Now, the House has already passed the stopgap spending measure, and the Senate Dems are urging Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to take up the bill. But unfortunately, many of the same political hurdles are in this round of negotiations that were also the cause of the last government shutdown. And even after Congress passes this round of spending bills, they'll only have until November 21st to reach an agreement to fund the government for, the, for a full year. But many think that it will just be through Christmas. If an agreement isn't reached, then we're looking at an identical situation that we saw last fall and winter that led to the longest government shutdown in history. Speaking of things that aren't working very well, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was in D.C. last week meeting with members of both parties, including President Trump. During his meetings with key Democratic and Republican lawmakers in the House and Senate, Zuckerberg spent a lot of time discussing election security, privacy, and antitrust issues. The meetings apparently went so well that Democratic and Republican lawmakers expressed confidence that he and Facebook would cooperate with ongoing antitrust investigations. The FCC just authorized its first two cities that will be implementing test bets for 5G. Salt Lake City and West Harlem in New York City are being dubbed, quote, innovation zones and will extend the reach and bring new spectrum to these areas. This is an exciting step in the right direction when it comes to 5G deployment in the U.S., We'll be sure to keep you posted on any and all 5G updates in future episodes of TechSwamp. In more FCC news, this summer the FCC approved a notice of proposed rulemaking proposing a three-year, $100 million pilot program 
to help healthcare providers cover the cost of broadband service that will enable low-income patients and veterans to have access to telehealth services. The pilot program, commonly referred to as the Connected Care Pilot, is an important step towards recognizing the potential for cutting-edge digital health technology that reduces costs and drastically improves health outcomes for the most vulnerable Americans. And our Connected Health Initiative submitted comments on the Connected Care Pilot program. First, our Connected Health Initiative asked the Commission to consider including the costs of turnkey solutions like software, remote patient monitoring tools, and patient broadband internet access in its pilot program. We also asked the Commission to select a reasonable number of pilot programs to ensure that this is a meaningful collection and evaluation of data. We also recommended that the FCC take a coordinated approach to promoting connected health by partnering with other agencies such as the Department of Health and Human Services to advance the use of connected health technologies across the U.S. We will continue to give updates on the FCC's Connected Care Pilot Program in future episodes of TechSwamp. In tariff news, Apple is set to build its new Mac Pro in Austin, Texas, after U.S. trade officials agreed to exempt about a dozen computer parts from the latest round of tariffs. Before trade officials lifted the Trump administration ban, it was possible that Apple would have had to move their production of the Mac Pro from Austin, where they have been making the computer since 2013, to China. And before we sign off what's brewing, we're going to hit you with some 2020 election updates. The third round of debates will likely take place on October 15th and 16th, and will include 12 of the 19 Democratic candidates. And normally here we tell you who will be taking the stage and on what day, but the DNC has yet to announce whether the debate will be one night or two. In comings and goings, Mayor de Blasio and Senator Gillibrand have dropped out of the race and Republican Congressman Mark Sanford has thrown his hat in the ring. We'll be sure to keep you posted on the latest 2020 updates throughout the general election. And that's all for What's Brewing. Today we're talking all things developed. We're going to give you the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and later on we'll be joined by a former developed panelist and current ACT member Robert Blackburn. First things first, developed. What is it? I guess I'll take that one, guys. Um, (laughs) Good question. Thank you for asking. Um, So developed, um, we're (laughs) developed the App Economy Tour. So this is um, a 12-city tour that we're taking across the U.S. to meet with developers, business leaders, community leaders, um, you know, entrepreneurs, people with an idea, just sort of anybody sort of a part of the app ecosystem who's sort of interested in learning, A, about what's available in their community, B, um, you know, new business opportunities, um, C, tips and things like that to improve their marketing strategies or to rethink their marketing strategies. Um, And similarly, um, ways to sort of rethink funding, whether that's um, ways to make yourself a little bit more attractive to a VC or ways to access VCs, um, especially locally. Um, you know, we'll also, you know, because we are the App Association and we work so much with, um, you know, policymakers, we're also um, making sure that we talk a little bit about, you know, compliance and regulation and sort of how to consider those things when you're building a business and also how to use some of your compliance features uh, as differentiators in the market. Um, So that's sort of the general goal. It's really a conversation plus some, you know, time for networking. Um, It's very sort of 
community and locally driven. Um, So we sort of picked our 12 cities based on sort of the general idea that a lot of really amazing tech happens throughout the country and not just on the coast. So we wanted to highlight sort of non-traditional tech hubs, um, but places that actually should be and are tech hubs. So our first two, um, the very first one was in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island, which Mm -hmm. was pretty great. Um, The second one was in Manhattan. Um, and now we're really getting into the nitty gritty of sort of non-traditional tech hubs. So we head to Boulder next on October 8th, followed by Atlanta on October 10th. Um, then we head to Seattle at the end of October and then looking to November, we do hit the West coast, but we're doing Santa Monica and Oakland, then, uh, Minneapolis, which is pretty exciting. Um, and then in December we hit Charleston, South Carolina in January, we'll be in new Orleans. Uh, in February, we end the tour uh, with our last two stops, one in Houston and one in St. Louis. So it's quite the, you know, we hit all the all the points, I think. Yeah. And what what would you say is like the main reason why we're doing this? Like, why? Why should people come to these events? Yeah. You know, I think um, I think there are two reasons, two big reasons. The first reason is the free alcohol, <clears throat> the free alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I went. <laughs> Um, But I think more importantly than that, uh, even more importantly than that, um, you know, I think that um, especially in these non-traditional tech hubs, community becomes really, really important for business success. Um, And so I think when you learn about what your community offers and also the other business leaders in your community, you set yourself up for sort of widespread success in a way that maybe you didn't before or or not that you didn't before, but that you couldn't before maybe. Um, And so that leads me to why I think sort of the second reason we're doing this is that I think that right now there's a national conversation around sort of platforms and what they are and why they exist and whether or not they're really helpful to business. Um, And we want to really talk about the features of platforms that are really sort of helping to support and grow the app economy. Um, And I think that that comes with a lot of the things that we're talking about, right? I think platforms play a role in marketing. I think they play a role um, in funding in terms of, you know, people being able to come up with ideas and put out really incredible life-changing products um, in a relatively quick manner. Um, And then as you're figuring out how to take your business to the next step, um, you know, you have sort of certain things built into the platform, like trust, like a global marketplace, um, that you should learn how to talk about, I think. Um, And those are some of the, you know, that's some of the nitty gritty that we get into in these panels. Um, And I guess I'm going to throw a third one in there, even though I only said two, (laughs) um, which is that I think one of the things too, that's really great about these events is that you can talk about um, how you can access talent in your home state and in your home city. Um, and learn a little bit more about ways to do that and the best ways to do that and the ways to support your growing app economy. So that's my answer. Before we go further, though, can you give like a breakdown of of what these events kind of look like, like when you arrive? Totally. So um, you'll get there. They'll um, be in a brewery or sort of like a local community space that's like a brewery. Um, And, you know, as you get there, obviously Axtaff will be there to greet you. Um, But then, um, you know, we wanted to build in time for networking because, again, I think that that's a real important facet of these. Um, So we built in about an hour at the beginning of the event to network and then um, about an hour for a panel discussion um, that brings together sort of those various business leaders, um, local businesses and things like that um, to talk for about, like you know, like I said, about an hour, um, leave time for question and answer. Um, somebody from ACT will moderate. We'll talk a little bit about some of the DC stuff to think about. Um, and then another hour of networking. Um, 
these are all local places. These are all places that are already a part of the community. Um, and again, it's all sort of to reiterate that we think it's really important to support these growing tech communities. Um, and uh, in some of these places, um, we will also have uh, keynotes from members of Congress or local state and government officials. So in Rhode Island, the lieutenant governor came and spoke, which was really great. Um, and he ended up staying for the whole event and meeting with all the companies who were there, which was really cool. Um, and in our New York event, somebody from the mayor's office uh, came and spoke, and he works in the mayor's office for persons with disabilities. Um, and he was really able to talk about the work that not only, um, you know, the city of Manhattan is trying to do to uh, improve accessibility within the city, but also to work with businesses to make sure that they're thinking through accessibility, whether that's in a digital capacity or in a physical capacity. Um, and uh, he actually did like a live demo of some of the accessibility features that exist on phones that help people like get around the city or attend events like developed. Uh, so that was really cool. Congresswoman Del Bene will be attending our Seattle event and giving some remarks. And in Minneapolis, we already have Congressman Emmers uh, who will also be speaking. So, you know, some exciting things to come. Absolutely, and not to toot our own horn, but the <laughs> panels have been pretty good. Really great. I, I think it's really exciting to see People come together from sort of different facets of the app economy. Um, you know, we tend to think of it as something that's sort of the developers and the companies that come out of the app economy. And I think what sometimes gets forgotten are all of the other things that go into it, like people who help uh, companies come up with marketing strategies, like people who fund companies, you know, like the accelerators and incubators that help to grow companies or to support companies or support the community. And to bring us back kind of to the platform piece of all this, I, I think a couple of our panelists made some absolutely wonderful statements on them that are very, very true and speak to the value of platforms. Uh, Nick Horowitz from Waxman Strategies made the point that there's a lot less friction between I have an idea and actually making that idea become a reality. And that's because of platforms and all of the um, abilities that they give developers. Yeah, and I think similarly, um, you know, we had a VC on the panel who sort of talked about this idea that um, it's not necessarily about having the best product, but it's about getting the product out there. Um, and, you know, obviously with smartphones, everybody has a supercomputer in their pocket, right? So it's easy to get to the client, but how are you getting to the client? Are you meeting the client where they are? Are you, um, you know, expecting them to come find you? You know, those are the kinds of questions. Um, First, you have to like figure out who your client is. Right. Is Absolutely. it another, is it another business? Is it the consumer? Like, there's a lot of things to think about. A lot of things to think about. And it's, those are the kinds of things that we're trying to cover on these panels and make sure that we're having sort of honest, open discussions about. Um, and, you know, similarly, on all these panels, we do have a local business who's sort of been able to build a company in these places and talk a little bit about how they've done that, right? How they thought about marketing. You know, in Rhode Island, one of the great things that we learned, and we'll talk about this a little bit more with our member uh, during member minutes, but one of the things that we learned about Rhode Island is that because of where you are and because of the nature of how platforms and things like that do work, you're able to stay in Rhode Island, but get clients in much bigger markets, right? You can easily get to New York, you can easily get to Boston, you can easily get to Pennsylvania, um, but you're able to stay at home in Rhode Island, you know, use things like broadband to connect you <laughs> with, you know, other talent, but also your clients. Um, and so, you know, it's great to sort of hear from businesses who are in these places, sort of talking through how they've able, they've been able to grow their company, um, right in their backyard. 
Yeah, and I think having such a focus on community and having that local business, that local VC, like they know the area, they know what they're looking for. So to have our audience be local developers, I feel like they're really going to get like a sense of what the app economy looks like in their area and be able to truly create the best product absolutely and we've sort of mentioned specifically you know we have a local business on the panel we do try to get a local vc on the panel and we're also having local marketer local marketers on the panel um but we also sort of have this like bonus slot for other people who are just sort of engaged and involved in the tech community um who you know just have something interesting to say about what they're doing um in these cities so if you know anyone who might fit any of those descriptions you know please reach out to us let us know um we're our dms are open totally open and we're always looking to make new connections but also you know these um these events we certainly know where they're going to be and when they're going to be but we still have some room to to fill out our panels uh, especially in some of our future events so please reach out to us we you know, we also want to be involved in the community. Absolutely. So with that, Alex, I'm going to kick it over to you and Robert for Member Minutes. This month for Member Minutes, we're going to be joined by one of our newest members, Robert Blackburn of Blackburn Labs. Hey, Robert. Thanks for joining hey, us on TechSwamp. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, well, so we're here to talk about the develop tour, which we just kicked off uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and you were sort of the local business app developer on our panel. Um, but before we jump to into developed and sort of what it is, um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and Blackburn Labs. Sure. Yeah. So Blackburn Labs is is a software engineering firm, consulting firm that helps uh, people build apps. Uh, we have a lot of larger enterprise level clients, but we also work with startups uh, quite a bit as well. Um, we've been doing this for a number of years. We're a fairly small company. We focus on that kind of niche arena of uh, focusing more on the onshore, that kind of entrepreneurial working with the client kind of experience. Um, yeah, and so we've been doing this for a couple of years. I originally got started, oh, 2015, kind of by accident. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, a, a company collapsed and didn't couldn't pay me anymore, so I had to scramble to make a paycheck. So I contracted and and uh, just to get by, and then I uh, kind of took off from there. Well, that dovetails nicely into sort of the intro of what developed was. Um, you know, just for the audience, um, developed is really this national tour that that we at the App Association have sort of taken on over the next few months. Um, we are visiting 12 cities across the U.S. Um, to kind of host conversations and networking, um, sort of about I think a the tech community in that place, um, and then B, sort of give developers and entrepreneurs and people who have cool ideas for businesses in tech um, sort of an opportunity to learn from people who are on the ground doing it, learn about some of the resources that are available in their community, um, and also meet with some people who are sort of industry experts, whether they're from their community or somebody that we bring in um, from DC. Um, and so with that in mind, um, we hosted this first event um, on September 12th uh, in Rhode Island, um, and we hosted this at Tech Collective. Um, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about your involvement with Tech Collective um, and how that connection sort of led you to participate in Developed. Sure, yeah. Tech Collective is a great organization. Um, I found out about them a few years ago. Uh, I was actually doing some research and anybody who's ever done a service-based organization or really 
any company, the most difficult thing for any company is customer acquisition. Um, they don't tell you this when you start your business, <laughs> but customer acquisition is really, really hard. Um, especially if you're kind of a tech person like myself, usually it doesn't kind of come naturally, this whole salesmanship element. So it's kind of one of those things you got to kind of step out of your comfort zone for. And I had actually brought somebody in to help me explore better ways of doing it. One of the things that really came out of that is the best way for a service organization to connect and, and find people who need their services is to be face-to-face -face with people, to, to get involved locally or to get involved on a social element, um, things like that. So I started looking around at Rhode Island organizations that were really focused on helping companies like mine connect and, and be involved in the community and be involved in growing the business uh, of the local area. And that's how I found Tech Collective um, as a way of saying, hey, I need my business to be more involved in Rhode Island. Because um, at the time, oddly enough, I didn't have any Rhode Island clients. All my clients were either in Boston, New York, or the you know the Midwest, and so it really was a, a game changer for my company to be involved more locally. It's really introduced us to some great partners um, and some great avenues, and really has given us great insights into the market and what uh, other people are facing within uh, computer science and IT. That's awesome. And so, um, so with developed sort of how how did the work that you do with Tech Collective sort of lead you to agreeing to be on our panel? <laughs> well, so, so I believe Tech Collective uh, pointed me out, um, uh, which, which, which was great. I mean, that's so flattering, right? Especially since I think I'm, I don't know if I'm officially the smallest Tech Collective member, but I'm close. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm a small company and I really enjoy Tech Collective. I really like what they're doing to help grow Rhode Island, especially when it comes to uh, women in STEM and 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 uh, expanding into uh, other demographics, getting involved in STEM, growing the local economy. Um, and they're, they're, it's just such an organization I'm so passionate about. So for them to feel like um, uh, to, to that the partnership's equal, you know, that I'm giving as much as they're giving me, it, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I think that really gets into the whole sort of um, uniqueness, I think, of the Rhode Island tech community specifically and how sort of, yeah, integrated it's really become, which is really cool. Um, and so I guess I sort of want to get into the panel a, a little bit. Um, so I guess, again, just as an overview, I think our goal for this panel, as I sort of mentioned, you know, we wanted to bring together some business leaders and community leaders um, to really just give like an honest portrayal of what is available in you know sort of the community um but also maybe some like tips and ideas and things um that sort of people who are on the ground doing this and building business can give other people who are sort of figuring out where to go next with their business or their idea um and so i think with that in mind would you give us a little bit of an overview of kind of some of the things you wanted to make sure to touch on um and we sort of talked about this before but i think one of the things that you said that was really interesting was sort of why being in Rhode Island kind of created opportunity for you, which I thought right. was... Yeah, yeah, that was actually kind of one of the main reasons I, I wanted to kind of be a part of the the, the uh, developed panel was to kind of get this out there because I see a lot of business owners and people getting started feeling like Rhode Island's not necessarily the best place, right? And you get this, this mentality that Silicon Valley's where you gotta go. And, and that's, yeah, Silicon Valley certainly is a, is a hotbed of creativity, um, but, it's a minority of, of the developers in the world, and there's a great deal of stuff happening elsewhere. And Rhode Island is actually in this very unique little position where if you go north of us, you got Boston, 
with all of the uh, research hospitals and Harvard and, and you go to the west of us, you got Connecticut and then eventually New Jersey where you have a lot of the pharmaceuticals. You, you're basically here in New England, you're in like the life sciences belt of the world and Rhode Island is in this unique little spot to be able to reach it all within driving distance, right? And, and so a lot of Rhode Island companies, especially in tech, feel like, oh, are we in the right spot, right? Because, you know, my family was actually from Texas and I, we moved up here when I was nine years old. And when they, my parents first told me we're moving to Rhode Island, my first question was, <laughs> what state is that in? <laughs> so, so you know, it's, it's easy to have that, that feeling, but the reality is it's a great spot. I mean, you can get on the commuter rail, get to Boston, you can get on the commuter rail, get to New York City, get to, you can drive to New Jersey. It's a great spot for the life sciences and plenty of fine tech too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you mentioned too is that um, I think because again, the nature of where you are, it also meant you had to get into sort of like some highly regulated industries and figuring that out was sort of an interesting challenge. Oh, absolutely. Especially, yeah, obviously, a lot of my bigger clients are within life sciences and healthcare. HIPAA is a big, yeah. big topic there. Um, so you definitely need to make sure you are aware of how those regulations work. And obviously, Europe's passing a lot of uh, uh, more and more stringent laws, which is great from a consumer standpoint. It does introduce a little bit of something you got to be aware of as a business owner or as a tech person getting into these markets. It's not a bad thing, though, because HIPAA compliance, if you really look at what HIPAA compliance is asking you to do or telling you to do, I should say, <laughs> telling you to do as, as a technical company, it's all things you should be doing anyway. It actually just creates a nice, solid bullet list of what you should have been doing all along anyway uh, to protect patient safety, right, and patient information that, uh, you know, even if you had the best of intentions, you might forget this, right? So it's, it's, it's actually a really good protection uh, on that. Um, and honestly, and I was talking to a few of the other people at ACT, uh, HIPAA actually turns into something that's actually an advantage to a consulting firm like mine, where sometimes you have clients who want you to kind of cut corners in areas that you're not comfortable cutting in user safety and, and these types of things. Having the HIPAA uh, uh, umbrella of I can't do it because it's it's a HIPAA compliance thing. It's perfect. It, it just nixes any of those conversations right in the butt. It doesn't make it sound like you as a contractor are just trying to milk them for more money, right? Saying, oh, no, no, we have to do this the, the right way. Well, it's the truth. And, and I've always, you know, approached things as, you know, do, do the right thing is the right way to go. But if you have the HIPAA thing saying, hey, I've got to do it this way, it kind of avoids those awkward conversations of somebody saying, hey, but we got to get out tomorrow. Right. Well, we, that's a corner we shouldn't be cutting. Yeah. And something that we sort of talked about on the panel, or at least touched on, on the panel, was this idea of being able to use sort of um, privacy and sort of um, smart security practices as almost a differentiator, even when you're talking about like marketing. Um, and that's something we really wanted some of the business leaders in the audience to sort of be able to take with them is that you can sort of use these extra um measures that you put into right. your technology as a way to also set yourself apart from some of your, um, you know, competitors or potential competitors. Um, so something else I wanted to touch on, um, you know, one of the things that we did sort of talk about was, um, as we sort of look at the history of technology, um, one of the things that's really interesting, and I think sort of where we see a mark and a change is when we sort of see the development of platforms. Um, in sort of the app economy and, and the app ecosystem. Um, so I'm sort of curious uh, what your perspective, you know, what do app 
platforms do for app developers? What are some of the benefits they provide? Yeah, it's, it's funny because um, I've been programming for a very long time. I originally programmed on a Commodore 64. That was my, my, my baby at the time. Wow. And, <laughs> and one, a magazine I actually subscribe to is actually called uh, Retro Gamer. Um, it's about games, of course, but what I love about it is it talks about all these stories from back in the 70s and the, in the early 80s where you had these really small companies doing these phenomenal things. You know, just a person in their garage could do this, throw a couple floppy disks in their briefcase, do a world tour, and sell their idea. And it was so exciting. And I always felt as I was getting into software engineering that I would missed the boat, right? That, that I missed that opportunity in the 70s to be that small shop that could really make a difference. But then the, the app economy started up, right? And then you started with iOS and Android, and these things started coming on the field. And now we're back to that point where a company, a small company, uh, can actually make a difference and actually do something that gets in front of people uh, because the, the barrier to entry is lower than maybe even it was in the 70s. I would even I would venture to say it is, right? Um, because, you know, everybody today has got uh, access to these things or anybody can really get involved and really do something special. And that's so exciting to me. Um, and it's so liberating from a business standpoint, too. Yeah, I one of the things that got touched on in the panel as well is that when you with these platforms come, you know, access to global markets, but also, you know, as a as a business owner, you also get access to talent in other places. Um, and it's because there's so much sort of um, collaboration that's possible through these platforms, um, which is kind of interesting. And especially as we get more and more custom. Uh, accustomed to uh, remote work as as a culture, um, with you know great tools like Slack and Zoom and these types of things that are helping distributed teams really be fully effective. It, it, you know it's getting more and more uh, collaborative. Absolutely. Um, well, that's all for member minutes. But um, before we sign off, Robert, I wanted to sort of give you a minute if there's anything else you want to plug, um, or maybe just talk about where people can find out more about Blackburn Labs and the work that you do. Sure, yeah. So anybody can find out about us on blackburnlabs.com. Um, always feel free. You know, I, I love helping people who are getting started, who have an idea, whether or not it's within a large corporation and you're kind of in an entrepreneurial corner of that corporation or you have a startup. You know, we love helping uh, people get going. That's that's our bread and butter is that entrepreneurial feeling, um, that kind of collaborative help you get ramped up. Uh, type of project. So yeah, hit us up. Um, we're more than happy to answer questions or help out. Or if you're somebody else also starting up your business, we're, we're happy to help. That is awesome. And we will also have some links in the show notes. Um, so look out for that. Um, Robert, thank you so much for joining us on TechSwamp. No problem. Thank you for having me. And now it's time for our random identifier. We are joined today by Alex McLeod, our newest policy counsel at ACT. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so, random identifier. This is when you get to talk about whatever you want. Okay. Tell us, what do you want to talk about today? I think I'm going to talk about my million dollar listing weekend. Amazing. The show or like... The show. Oh, I wish it was my life. Yeah. That would be <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, it's a show on Bravo that just goes around and like kind of gives you the highlights of New York real estate. And it follows, like, three guys. Yeah, it follows, like, three or four real estate yeah. brokers in New York. Uh, okay. And they show you all these beautiful apartments that are 
way out of my budget Mm -hmm. and I just dream about when I'm going to be a millionaire, Mm -hmm. win the lottery Mm -hmm. and live in that. Brad. Okay. I'm going to go back to music and we're going to talk about one of my favorite bands, the Fallman Brothers. (laughs) 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 I I kid, of course, but uh, (laughs) Twin Peaks, Chicago based band. They just put out a new album and it is very very good yeah it's been bumping in the membership office it has and it's the first time yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's the first time they've left chicago like they have their own like kind of studio that they've recorded their first three albums they did like a professional guy that has done a lot of high profile uh rock bands over the years and it sounds very good and something i really love in an album is they recorded every song live like they didn't do it track by track they just played it oh, all cool. together oh. at once. So it gives the real fun feel of a live show. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Do you know where they recorded it? Wales. Oh, no way. Yeah, they went over overseas, mm, across so the pond. Weird. That was a whale noise. <laughs> I liked it. Can you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They recorded in a whale. In a whale. <laughs> Like, like Pinocchio <laughs> or Jericho. I was going to say the biblical figure, Jonah. Jonah. It was yeah. Jonah. Yeah. That's so just not a band. Bell. Jonah and the Whale. Yes. Yeah. It is. I wonder if they record in Wales. Whoa. <laughs> I um, technically have recorded in Wales because when I was a kid, I was in the Children's Chorus of Washington and we were selected as like the test choir to go um, like be the... Um, eaten by whales. Eaten by whales. <laughs> <laughs> We have love the tracks, yes. <laughs> okay, bringing us back. Bringing it back. All right. <clears throat> Caitlin, what is your random identifier today? So I watched the Between Two Ferns movie this weekend. <laughs> and I love Between Two Ferns because I, I love, like, uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. that I'm not a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what these all are. Yeah. Um, and so Zach Galifianakis, Galifianakis, Galifianakis. Yeah. yeah. He's whatever. of my people. Oh yes. The Greek. A Greek. A Grecian. Yeah. Um, had so many celeb cameos and I love celebrities. So I was very hyped to see there was like Keanu Reeves. I'm reading off of a list right now. Keanu Reeves, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. There was a fun subplot with them and Fidelity, which was hilarious. Great. Um, Will Ferrell was playing himself like he was will ferrell but he was not will ferrell like he was like a cowboy who was abusive um and then my favorite was was paul rudd because he basically just was like i can't say what i want to say he was speaking negatively to paul rudd about his appearance Uh and was like you know some people have talent some people have looks how's it feel to have only looks Oh yeah, and then Paul Rudd's just sitting there like, man, like, why are you being a jerk to me? Like, it just—it was hilarious. And then the whole kind of plot of the movie is that uh, Zach needs to get like ten or twelve episodes to Will Ferrell to be able to have his own network television show. That's all what this is working towards. Mm -hmm. And so at one point, I thought it was hilarious, and I laughed to the point where I paused the movie and called my dad and was like, "You have to watch this." (laughs) Zach was talking about his need and desire for this like this network television show, and he said. I'm a white man, I'm straight, and I deserve it. Oh, my God. And it it just made me laugh so much. Yeah. And so you guys just need to watch it. <laughs> I want to talk about, uh, it's Takashi 69 right? That's, like, his yeah. name. So, like, first of all, this guy just snitched on, like, a bunch of gang people in court. Against the Bloods. Against the Bloods. Not just any gang. Not just any gang. The Bloods. Like, major gang. Um, but also, he called out 
Cardi and who was the other rapper? He called out Cardi and oh my god, who was it? I forget. I, all I remember was Cardi, and I was like, Me that, too. you can't. You but can't. here's here's what I think is really important. There are two things. There are two things. So one, all of the like all everyone's saying that he's gonna have to go into like Witzak now that he's like, you know, snitched. And like, I don't know if you guys know what he looks like, but he is heavily tattooed. On heavily, his face. heavily tattooed on his face. He has rainbow hair. He has rainbow hair. But hair you can fix. But like, if you have to go to Witzak. Like, they're, like, he's going to have to get those tattoos removed, right? There's no way around that. Or he'll have to apply Cap on D's foundation Daily. every day. He's Daily. going to get a new face. Yeah. Facial well, reconstruction. Maybe. You know, technology. I don't really take those tattoos off. Like, that takes time. Oh, yeah, that and it hurts. a ton like, of time. ton of time. Super painful. Like, he'll yeah. have to go in for, like, dozens, oh, if yeah. not, like, yeah. borderline, like, 100 rounds. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's what you get if you get... 69 tattooed on your forehead. That's true. That's true. And I mean, also, you to know, he did really bad things. I can think of. Yeah, him, he's so. gross. Yeah, he's, yeah he did you know. gross things. But, <clears throat> so that was thing one. Thing two that I think is really important is that what people are now talking about <laughs> is that Martha Stewart, who, as we all know, served time, did not snitch on anyone. Not a single she one. She is not a snitcher. And who brought this to my attention? The answer is technically Ashley from our office. But number two is Snoop Dogg. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, so if you go to his Instagram, he has posted about this. And he said, that's my expletive. Homegirl. Solid as a rock. Two C's. Solid as a rock. So that's what I want to leave all of you with today. It's empower empowering. Martha Stewart ain't no snitch. Okay, guys, that's it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And we want to give a shout out to Brad Goodall, who composed the podcast Awesome Music. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would absolutely love a rate and review. Five stars only, please. Only. <laughs> That's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. 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 bye.